What's going on? What's going on? What is going on? It's your host here, Richie Roy, coming at you. We got Corey Morissette. How's it going, Corey? Doing great. Ryan Janke, what's happening? Nothing's happening at all. What's going on with you? You know what? I'm doing my thing, enjoying life. Uh, TSR podcast right now. We're talking about lots of movie stuff going on. We're going to be talking about uh, best movies we've seen in 2016 so far. And also, Sask film made movies. Uh, any movies that have been made in Saskatchewan and, and and a couple movies that are being made as we speak. And we're going to get into that. And I'm, I'm really excited. We got our old friend David Roman on the phone. David is a, a, a audio engineer, pretty much, or a sound guy, sound, sound designer dude. This guy does everything sound for films. He's a composer. He, he writes stuff for movies. He's got an awesome studio in Regina. And he's always active in the film biz, and we're going to talk to him about some movies he's working on and has worked on. Uh, Dave, are you with us? Uh, I guess so. Right on, man. <laughs> How's life in Regina? Uh, a little crazy right now because uh, I'm moving locations, uh, long story. And uh, so I've been painting and, and cleaning and doing all kinds of crazy stuff for just trying to set up a new building. So That's life, man. Life gets at you. Oh, all right, man. Let's get into it. So uh, let, let's. You know what? Let's start right off with this best movie we've seen so far in 26. Now I want to start with this for for a few reasons, okay? Because I'm pretty sure I've seen the worst movie of 2016 so far: Independence Day 2, Regurgitation yeah. or Resurgence or whatever the hell they call it. Refrigeration. Refrigeration. <laughs> this thing was incredibly horrible. I, I, I just literally is. I told Corey, "You're gonna watch it. You better bring your blindfold and earplugs so you can enjoy it a little more." And I wish I did. I wish I did. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, this is this was just just incredibly boring. I had people yawning behind me. Uh, my wife was falling asleep next to me, which is not uncommon to any movie I go to with her. But I mean, still, this was supposed to be a big summer blockbuster hit, and. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but sequels that happen like 20 years after the original, there's a very low success rate. They're going to be good, but they were really pumping this hard as a big thing that was going to happen and, and be cool. Well, they totally played the nostalgia angle on us. And like we were all of oh, the perfect day to see Independence Day in 1996, right? But um, how many movies have actually done this? Like, how many movies had a sequel that came out some 20 years later? Star Wars obviously comes to mind, Wolf of Wall Street. Well, you know what? We got Ghostbusters coming up pretty soon, <laughs> but it hasn't come out yet. So well, that's more of a reboot, not really a sequel. That's more of a reboot, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, it just doesn't really happen, you know. But uh, they're really they're really billing this up. You know, the one that pops to mind right away is uh, Godfather Three, was many years after Godfather Two, and yeah, that didn't hold up compared to the other films in that uh, franchise as well. So. No, man, it's tough to keep it fresh in your mind, and it's tough to, to really make it work. I mean, yeah, you're going in real time. It has been 20 years, but no one really cares about that aspect of it. You know, everyone wanted to see some new aliens and some new fights and some new ideas on how they're going to destroy the aliens, etc., yada, yada, yada. But we didn't see anything new. We saw a lot of old, boring stuff. Listen, this was made by the disaster king of disaster movies, Roland Emmerich. Yeah, can, can you guys agree with me on this one? This guy is... I mean, I know, look, I've, I've gone on record. If you've, you've watched the screening room before... Corey knows it. I've said I like a lot of his movies, like 2012 and a lot of this just garbage disaster movies. Porn. Yeah, yeah, disaster hey, porn. Stargate, Stargate. He, Stargate was great. Yeah, Stargate, Stargate was good. Yeah, Stargate. You got to give him for that. But I mean, come on, man. He 
he destroyed this movie. And I don't think it was just him, but it was pretty awful. Well, you can only watch monuments getting blown up so many times before you want a, a fresh take on it. And everybody's doing this now. Michael Bay is destroying the world in every single Transformers movie. So it's just kind of the same stuff, and you get bored by it after a while. Well, and I think that that whole uh, buildings falling down thing has, like I've said this in the screening room too, has kind of turned into such a tired cliche. It's like the ghost in the mirror in a horror movie. It's so tired, nobody wants to see it anymore. Like we saw it in Independence Day 20 years ago. We saw it in real life shortly after that. And now it has done so much in movies, it's just, it's junk. But you know what? When you're back in 1996, this stuff was new to us, relatively, uh, in a sense, because all the CG that was coming out, and bigger budgets, and, you know, Independence Day 1, Independence Day 1, really, it brought in $800 million. Like, $800 million? You kidding me? Independence Day Part 2? What has it brought in so far? Not even 50 not even 50. Dave, what's your take on uh, Roland Emmerich? Um, you know, I, I dislike most of what he does. I, I didn't like the original Independence Day. I I, uh, I like some of the graphics because, you know, at the time it was kind of new. But other than that, I kind of thought it was boring, predictable crap. Um, so I don't know. I, what makes me the most nervous about him, actually, is I'm a huge Stargate fan. And, and they've, been, they've given him the reins uh, back for the reboot. So... I'm actually really nervous about that because we've, we've developed an entire Stargate uh, mythos now, and uh, I'm afraid he's just going to turn it into garbage again. So, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I dislike him. <laughs> hey, let's talk Stargate just for a second here. Um, which, what do you like? Do you like Stargate movies, like his original work, or do you like the um, MacGyver TV show? I, I did like the movie, too. Um, I thought it was, for, for the time, it was refreshing. Yeah, for sure. Um, Come on, man. For the time, for, for right now, it's still refreshing. I still really like that movie, man. It's classic. I think I saw it for the first yeah. time only five years ago, and it still blew my mind how good of an entertainment for, you know, value movie it was. It was good. Right. But... And, and it, made, it made for an excellent TV pilot, really. Like, I mean, exactly. I, I, I was a huge fan of SG-1. I, I even liked Universe, even though a lot of people didn't. I, I liked Universe. I really I'm with enjoyed, you on that. enjoyed that, too. So. so, but here's my question. Maybe you know the answer to this. Is Emmerich looking to continue on with the existing, established uh, sci-fi uh, SG-1 no, stuff, no, or is he going to abandon that and just go back to his original movie? He's telling his original story, is what he's saying. He's telling, because he, he initially planned a trilogy and, and didn't get to complete it. So so we're going to get a reboot, but it's also going to like complete the story he was trying to tell. It sounds like this was George Lucas's idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, we've talked about the worst movie we've seen of 2016 so far. Well, that was mine. Anyways, uh, you guys might have some other worst movies of 2016. No, that's mind. mine. That, that's mine for sure. I haven't got to Independence Day yet. I'm not Thank even sure I'm going to do it until it's on Blu-ray now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is um, let's get right to the best of 2016 so far. And you know what? In, in a sense, this is kind of almost depressing looking back on it because we haven't seen a lot of great movies so far. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, and I shouldn't maybe say the best movie of 2016, more like maybe your favorite movie of 2016. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there. Mine was Deadpool. Uh, yeah, I could see Deadpool being up there. Uh, a lot of indies I haven't seen yet, like uh, The Lobster and Green Room, which are supposed to be very good. Uh, my favorite, I'd have to say right now, is probably 10 Cloverfield Lane, which if you take Cloverfield out of the title, makes it an infinitely better movie. Because you're not anticipating the ending so much, but as a, a tight little thriller set inside a bomb shelter, it was really well done. 
I'm going to go with uh, Zootopia. Maybe I'm getting a little bit soft, starting to take my son to movies, but I like this one enough that even though Jordan didn't make it all the way through and I had to leave at the end of the first or end of the second act, uh, as soon as it was out on uh, Blu-ray, I picked it up so I could see the end of the movie. Yeah, you know what? I really like Zootopia too, starring my wife. <laughs> yeah, the female police officer. That was her to a T. So there's a lot of in jokes with me and her on that. Uh, but my kids definitely enjoyed it. And yeah, you know what? The story is what really sold it for me. I really enjoyed the story. The characters were really well developed, and that was that was a fabulous movie. It really was. It was well done. Dave, what do you think? Well, I know, I know, I'm going to get hated for this one, but uh, I love Batman v Superman. I don't oh, care there it is. Says. I knew it was going to come. Wow. We were all waiting, and it wasn't even 15 minutes. So I guess Corey wins the Corey wins the bet. So well, you asked me an honest question. I'll give you an honest answer, right? Like, That's great. Uh, I yeah. saw it multiple times. Okay, now Dave, answer truthfully. Have you or have you not seen all the Batman movies on opening day? Um, not Batman Begins, actually. Um, surprisingly, I was I was really skeptical. I was really still hurt from Batman and Robin, <laughs> so I, I really didn't want to hurt myself again. That wound never really healed for any of us. I'm still licking that wound. <laughs> So yeah, uh, so what was your take on the movie? You, you gotta, you gotta fill us in. What is it that you saw in this film? Well, I'm gonna tell you what. It's funny because I think most of the things that people complained about are things I actually liked. Um, one of the things I liked was the editing and pacing were very different uh, than than anything I've seen in other films that are comic book related. Um, it was probably closer to Watchmen in that way. And I love Watchmen. That's probably one of my favorite comic book movies of all time, if not my favorite one. Another Zack Snyder uh, film. Yeah, and that was another Zack Snyder film. So, I mean, I, I, to me, that's his masterpiece. But um, I don't know. I like I liked that. I liked the moral discussion. I liked the thematic elements. I liked... Um, a lot of people talked about these vague character motivations. I didn't find any of them vague. I, I figured all of them out, in my opinion. But, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like... Uh, I, I had a hard time when, when I came out and started talking to, well, select people anyway. I, I, a lot of people I talked to actually really loved the movie too. Um, but uh, there people who didn't, I was really surprised by some of the things that they were not liking about it, you know? I walked out of the movie, I walked out of the movie with Corey, and Corey was talking about how much he absolutely loved the movie, and then I woke up and realized it was another dream sequence, yet another dream sequence from the movie. Now, I will say this, there's elements of that movie I do love. I loved all the Batman stuff in that movie. I thought that portrayal of Batman is probably my favorite I've seen on film so far. Yeah, the only thing I would say to that, Corey, is that that portrayal of Batman is the most broken Batman I've ever seen. Like, even Frank Miller's take on Batman, he hesitated and couldn't actually kill the Joker. This Batman's killing people left and right. Yeah, he was, he was pretty badass. But as long as your mom's name is Martha, you're cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. Because... Why did you say that name? <laughs> well, and th that's yeah, actually I my issue here. This is... as to why that's a good thing, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. This is where Dave and I have debated about this movie before. Is that I don't feel that the takes on Batman or Superman are really faithful to uh, the characters. Now, I will concede that Ben Affleck's Batman moves like Batman, he talks like Batman, he sounds like Batman. Just, I mean, it's, it's really just him going over the edge that I take issue with. But I can even overlook that. 
I don't feel that the Superman is really faithful. But it's a completely you... unique take on the character. But Ryan, where do you draw the line in any movie whatsoever where you are basing your characters off of past references and you're creating your own characters for your own universe? There's got to be a line somewhere. Well, that's exactly the question. I'm going to throw that one to Dave. Well, here's, here's, here's the thing I take issue with when people talk about uh, comic book movies not being true to the character. Especially with Batman and, and Superman, I mean, how many iterations have we had? You know, I, I would even argue now in retrospect that Batman and Robin is true to some character of Batman, right? Um, you know, the campy uh, age of Batman. There, there's the grittier, darker age of Batman where he did murder a lot of people in the earlier comics. I mean, that wasn't something that didn't happen, right? So I, I don't know if there really is an ideal interpretation. There's several interpretations, which is what makes Batman so exciting as a character, I think. You can... Unlike a character like Deadpool, which nobody knows, no one's seen, and now you got Ryan Reynolds out there just killing it as a as this amazing introduction to hey, here's your awesome anti hero. Let's bring him onto the screen for the first time. And he really swung for the fences and hit it out of the ballpark. And I think that's why Deadpool was my favorite movie of twenty sixteen. Were you a fan of Deadpool, Dave? Dave, actually, it's a, it ends up being just a, a typical revenge plot. Um, but I think, uh, and some of the humor kind of fell flat for me too. But uh, considering how the summer's been going, I, I would probably put Deadpool in my top five as well. Well, the thing about Deadpool is that like the joke per minute in that movie was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely had that going for it. Like, now, if you laugh at every one of those jokes, you'd probably die. So it's a good thing <laughs> that they're not all funny. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot. And I mean, if you keep throwing them out there, you know, people are going to laugh. Um, so, Corey, you were talking about Warner Brothers. They're taking a different direction now with where they want their DC movies to go in. Well, we talked about this in previous shows about the pro- like Batman v Superman made a boatload of money. Uh, you can, you know, it was very successful, but it came in under expectations. So. Warner Brothers had already started late pre-production with Zack Snyder, so you can't really make a change if they were unhappy with the product, which is one of the rumors. I don't know if that was ever uh, proven or not. So they brought in a, a fellow by the name of Jeff Johns. I'm not a big comic book guy. I don't know who this is. Richie does. Uh, to kind of take over the DC property, kind of be the Kevin Feige of DC. Uh, they've now come out and said Justice League will only be one movie, not two. So they can maybe, if they wanted to, get rid of Zack Snyder after this next movie. And uh, it sounds like they're trying to lighten the tone of some of their other properties, like Aquaman. James Wan says it's going to be a lot more fun. Um, so uh, I, I think they, they recognize that they maybe made a couple of errors out of the gate when uh, competing with Marvel and are working to correct those. So it's very encouraging for fans of uh, DC Comics, I think. Yeah, one thing I've always thought that was kind of strange about DC is that um, now, and with respect to Dave's point earlier, you can go through 70 years of DC Comics and find an example of almost anything. But generally speaking, DC never really took itself overly seriously. I mean, no more so than Marvel did, but uh, thematically, and I think this is a Warner Brothers thing more than a DC Comics thing, they've tried to be very, very earnest ever since Batman Begins came out. Yeah, you know, well put on that. You know, it's funny, um, Corey, that you mentioned about lighting up uh, you know, lightening up the movies with like with Aquaman and whatnot, because it was hilarious when when you think about it in that aspect. Because DC was trying to go the exact opposite way in the writing of the comic books and make him a darker, more hateful kind of person, 
and, and, and very dark. But yeah, the, the comedy that you always see in Marvel is always a winners with the crowd, and people love seeing that on screen. And they have to go this direction, or else they are. They're going to falter. They're going to fall flat. Now, I, I don't know Dave Roman all that well, but I get the impression that he is a, a Warner Brothers fan and a DC Comics fan, so I'm interested in his take on if Warner Brothers is trying to pivot from where they are now and make it more like Marvel. I, I think I think the, the thing I'm worried about, uh, I, you know, I really dislike Disney Marvel, I'll be completely honest. I, 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 some of the movies I have in mind is that, you know, I've enjoyed them enough, but there's just nothing memorable there, nothing like, nothing to, to go think about after, and, and that was always a thing for me with with a lot of these comic movies I enjoyed in the past was, uh, you know, they, they talked about some interesting issues. There was some fun involved. I, I, I kind of look at The Dark Knight, and I think I think The Dark Knight is like the perfect archetype of a comic book movie. Like, you have fun, you have some jokes, but ultimately there's a serious tone. It, it's pretty dark. Uh, it, it challenges you a lot. I don't know, just overall, it just seemed like a great movie. So this really scares me that if we're going to go with a cookie-cutter route, we're not going to get anything like The Dark Knight or, or Watchmen or or anything that interesting. I mean, we're just going to get a bunch of action-adventure films that we've seen before. And, and, and that's that's the part I don't like. What's your take on Suicide Squad coming out? It, it, I, I really hope they let it be what it was going to be, because I really enjoyed all the trailers. I felt like the visually it looks amazing. They cast it really well. Like I, I hope it doesn't turn into the schlock fest that, you know, just because of what happened with Batman versus Superman, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm nervous about it now, to be honest. And what about your... We've talked about this before. They went back to the table, did some rewrites, put a bit more comedy into it. Was that the right move? I, I think they should have left it alone. I'll be completely honest. I, I think this is a totally different movie, different team, different everything. You know, like, why, why touch it? Just but are you, alone, but I mean, anyone who's read the Suicide Squad comic books, they know Harley Quinn... She's always joking all the time. Yeah. And it's not just her. The other guys bounce back at her with some comedy quips as well. Of course, they, they don't cut it anywhere close. Yeah. I'm not sure how much comedy they actually put back into this. Warner Brothers' yeah. process always has four weeks of reshoots in For sure every do. movie they make. So I, I think this is kind of manufactured news. Like, there's a whole bunch of news going on about uh, uh, Batman versus Superman, and they thought, let's just spin this into a story about... Uh, Suicide Squad, when there really wasn't anything going on. Is, it might be all for nothing. You're right, you know? Are there, uh, are there any comic book movies that you're excited for coming out, Dave, or any comic book movies that you want to see being made in the future, possibly? Uh, I'm super excited for Wonder Woman. Um, I, I love the new Wonder Woman. I just, I, well, I guess, yeah, I guess technically she's new because there's been a TV version, but... <laughs> um, no, I love Wonder Woman. I think, I think it's going to be... The, the footage I've seen so far looks really good. Um, I think they casted you know, her really well. I mean, she has the look. She's got the poise. She's got that charisma and that, that attitude that I think Wonder Woman should have. And, yeah, I, I think it's going to turn out great on screen when we yeah, see it. Yeah, it looks good so far. The biggest mistake I think you could make with Wonder Woman, especially on film, would be just doing female Superman. Because there's so much more to Wonder Woman. That's what they need to Yeah, exploit. she does have a lot of depth as a character. You betcha. She has more of a, more of a Thor-like kind of background. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. You know what, um, guys, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm really excited, and I, I read this in the news here not too long ago, but I'm really excited for uh, the Archie movie that's in the works. Uh, director Jason Moore, he's going to be doing it. 
Uh, he's done Pitch Perfect, Sisters, and some Dawson Creek's episodes, so it fits right in with Archie and Riverdale. But they're definitely taking it along the whole route of the afterlife with Archie. So you got the guys there in Riverdale, and then all of a sudden there's a zombie invasion, a zombie outbreak, and now it's like, what's going on? And I don't know if you guys have read the comic books. I've read every single one so far, written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. And this guy's writing the movie as well as a TV show called Riverdale that's going to premiere on October 3rd, 2016, so I'm excited for it. Are you making this up? No, man, I'm dead serious. How many years have you had? I am dead serious, man. This is something that I'm really excited about, and it's got a lot of, of momentum behind it. This is going to happen. So this is like just what happens in Riverdale when Walking Dead occurs. Exactly. That is exactly what happens. And, um, Stay out of Riverdale. And, and, yeah, man. <laughs> and anyone who's read the comic books, they know Jughead's the first to go. Jughead's going to be your first. And we all know how much Jughead likes to eat, so watch out. <laughs> you just described uh, Walking Dead Season 6. Like, uh, oh, I need man. to watch it again. No, man, I'm telling you. Richie, this, uh, this sounds amazing. I'm really excited, but I do not believe you. Well, come on, man. Uh, well, uh, why is it that it's taken this long for Archie to come on the big screen? He's been around since the 50s. They even did the whole death of Archie, and they've rebooted the comic book, not only in Afterlife of Archie, but also a whole brand new Archie that's up to date, which, by the way, is a really good read for any comic book fan out there yeah so i have to agree with that they changed the art style for the first time in like 60 years yeah and uh have told some really original and uh I, I have a hard time even saying these words but fresh archie stories yes that's what i'm saying now it's time to bring it to the screen and what better way with afterlife with archie so i'm excited <laughs> You, you keep losing me at the zombies. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay, you know what? Let's uh, let's uh, change change gears. Talking about Archie, we're going to be talking about uh, Sask made films, and I'm talking about when what I say Archie. Word. When I'm yeah, when I'm talking about Archie, I'm talking about artificial robotronic canine <laughs> hyperintelligence <laughs> experiment. That's right. Uh, this stars uh, Fred Uanick as the villain, and it actually has Michael J. Fox doing the voice of Archie the dog. So how about that? It was was filmed last year in Regina and Lumsden, and I don't know. I, I, I can't wait to get my eyes on this because I, I really don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, Dave, what do you know about Archie, if anything at all? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, a lot of a lot of my friends worked on it last year. Um, I think uh, Java Post, I think, was the company in town that um, uh, did a, did that film in partnership with another company out of Alberta, I believe. Um, so it's got a lot of local talent, um, you know, local filmmakers, local actors. Uh, the one, the one uh, actor there, Laura Abramson, she's she's kind of been in everything. Uh, she was in Basic Human Needs, uh, Basic, or she was in the Sabbatical. She's in another movie called Blossoms. Um, she's kind of been in everything. So she's in that. She plays a part in that, the speaking role actually, because the trailer she speaks. So uh, yeah, it's just it's a, it's a Saskatchewan made film. It's going to be complete schlock and completely crappy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have already informed Red Letter Media that they should be, you know, picking up on this film for best of the worst. <laughs> but, uh, hey, this is directed by a guy named Robin Dunn, or Dune. I, I think it's Dunn, how you say it. And if you don't know any of the credentials of Robin Dunn, this is what was listed under him. Uh, you got Skulls 2, Cruel Intentions 2, and Species 3. Not as the director... Just as a bit actor. Now, and now he's directing Archie. Back, back to what Dave said. If Red Letter Media ever does Archie, they should do uh, Wolf Cop as well. 
They, they should do Wolf Cop. And uh, I believe Wolf Cop, they're doing a sequel as well? What, what do we know about that, Craig? Uh, it's shot, uh, as far as I know. I haven't talked to Little Dean in a while, but uh, it's all done. Uh, they're doing the, the Comic-Con circuit right now. They're in Regina for Fan Expo. They're going to Montreal. And uh, I don't know if they've announced a release date yet, but it should be uh, sometime this year. Right on. Uh, we talk about some other SAS-made films. Uh, Vampire Dog, one that no one's ever heard of. Great, <laughs> Gray Owl with Pierce Brosnan. I had to look that one up. Um, we all know of Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds being shot in Regina and Moose Jaw. Corner Gas movie, which had some mild success, I guess, in, you know what, in Richie, the crowds. When, when I was in film school at the U of R, the big movie was Decoy. That, that was the one yeah. that, that was going to put Saskatchewan film on the map starring Peter Weller and, and Robert Patrick. Wow. And the decoy wow. posters were all over the U of R. It was the, huge. The T-1000 himself. Yeah. <laughs> he was still fairly popular then, too. Uh, we also mentioned Moose Jaws by Kevin Smith. Yep. That's going to be his, in his True North trilogy. Um, have you had, heard anything on Moose Jaws, David? Uh, I know I know Kevin Smith applied for the uh, Creative Saskatchewan funding, so I, I haven't heard yet whether or not he's going to be greenlit here. But I can't see why they wouldn't. Um, You'll find that what happens here is uh, the, the the grant systems and the government here play favorites a lot. Um, so if somebody like that's going to come and shoot a movie, they'll probably just let them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I noticed that uh, Kevin Smith has a uh, he's shooting a podcast at the Casino Regina in September. So he's obviously planning on being in the province uh, late summer, early fall. We're going to try and get him on the show if he's going to be here. You know what? He favorited a tweet of mine, so him and I are like this. We're super close. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't let him listen to last week's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have to get him on the show. We kind of talked about the Yoga Hosa trailer, and uh... yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, by talking about that trailer, we've committed ourselves to watching that movie, so at least we can uh, back it up, yeah, man. rightly or wrongly. Movie night will be in the future. Um, some other SAS-made films. If you guys check this one out, I didn't even hear about this. 2007, the movie called The Messenger, starring Kirsten Stewart, actually grossed 55 million dollars. I, I used to, yeah, I owned a video store in town, and we had the messengers, and I pumped it quite often, saying it was a shot in Saskatchewan. <laughs> There's Corey's endorsement for <laughs> Kirsten Stewart. You heard it now, right here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dave, who do we know who worked on that? There was a couple of uh, Saskatchewan film guys in that, weren't there? Rob, Rob, Rob Hillstead's worked on everything. You know, yeah. when he used to live here, uh, he's a waiver boy, for those of you listening, and I know, I know he was on that film. Doing, I think he was in Lighting, I think. And, and now, and now he's moved out west to BC. Unfortunately, he also worked on yeah. uh, X Men Three, I believe, Last Stand. Yeah, he uh, he recently worked on the, the new season of Prison Break. Um, that's kind of exciting in its own right. The new season of yeah, Prison Break. Um, I was a fan of season one, and uh, you know, and I kind of trailed off a little bit later, but I still love love the show. Let's talk about a movie that you're probably working on. Um, what are you working on right now, David? Well, uh, we're we're going to camera here in oh gosh, like a week <laughs> uh, for a new movie called Talent. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, wait a second, Talent? Really? You mean the yeah. the George Lucas Talent movie? That is. <laughs> oh wait a second! I'm checking my notes. Who the heck is Lucas Friesen? I bet yeah, he's better than yeah, George I, Lucas. I, I did the audio for that pitch video. Like, I mixed it. Um, uh, <laughs> that's what you're referring to, of course. You betcha. Uh, uh, so so what's this movie about? Well, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I can't speak for the filmmakers directly, but um, I, I have the screenplay. I read it. Uh, it's, it's basically. 
basically a small town kind of comedy film um, about a girl who you know, really loves hockey but but can't really play it very well. Um, <laughs> so she does some other things to kind of, uh, uh, I guess, make her mark in the hockey world. So I, I don't want to say too much about it because I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. <laughs> From what I understand, I, I, I went on to the uh, Indiegogo page and took a look at it, and apparently she wants to have make the Guinness Book of Records for the longest floor hockey game. At the same time, yes. they want to set the real Guinness Book of Records, so Guinness is going to be down here during the filming of it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, the, the last weekend of shooting, yeah, we're going to be shooting in a gym uh, here in town, uh, in Regina, and... Um, I think most of that's just going to be like taking shots of the action and stuff. And then there's going to be a few scenes we're going to do. Like, um, I'm already a little worried about that because it's going to be real loud and <laughs> uncontrolled, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I can only imagine uh, the acoustics in there. Now, you had mentioned before that this actually had a, uh, was it a telefilm grant? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, you know, initially, Lucas, Lucas is one of these guys who um, is really motivated. He's, he's quite a, quite organized. Uh, he was going to film this movie regardless, you know, and he raised some money through Indiegogo. And he, he raised over 10000 Um He's had some sponsorship, things like that. So he was going to make this movie on basically nothing, you know. Uh, and, but now he's got a telefilm budget, so it, it's still low in, in terms of a film, but uh, higher than any of us have ever dealt with before. So <laughs> I'm really kind of so, excited to see this. Uh, it's going to be premiering or debuting spring 2017 at the Regina IMAX Theater. So we're all looking forward to seeing that, and we're probably going to have to make the trip up. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That sounds great. Yeah. I, for yeah, one, would be I'm, disappointed I'm if we didn't. I'm audio from start to finish, so I mean, yeah. I'm recording it, um, I'm mixing it, I'm, I'm, well, I'm slated to mix it, I'm slated to compose it as well. So um, so it's going to be kind of a Dave, Dave Roman fest. <laughs> nice. I'm excited <laughs> in that regard right so, there. So you're literally scoring the movie, Dave. Wow, that's awesome. It'll be my first, or well, my second feature, like, technically. But, yeah. What was your first feature you worked on, Dave? Well, I mean, this is the never-ending feature, but uh, Rob Hillstead, who I mentioned before, has a, a feature-length film that I, I did. I've written the score for already, and I, I need to refine it. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting for the final cut on that. But uh, it's called Blossoms, so kind of a psychological romance film. Oh, yes, uh, the, the mythological blossom I've heard about for the last five years. But yes. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I can't wait for that movie to actually get made and finished so I can check it out. Yeah, we've talked to Rob a couple of times about even when he has it released, hopefully getting a screening here in town. But That's the plan. That is. But I, knowing Rob, I mean, we could be talking years here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one thing we know for sure about Rob, it's not like he's uh, lollygagging. I'm sure he's got a thousand things going on. Oh, he does, yeah. He, he's, he's got, I, I think, you know, his set life kind of, dominates most of what he's doing but um, you know we, we just finished a short film that is that's been sitting on the shelf for like five years I think so <laughs> well you know what I gotta give props to Rob for doing what he's doing we need more guys like him I gotta give props to you especially for doing what you're doing we need more of you guys doing this stuff for Sask made films and uh, it's, it's, it's exciting to see the end product you know it really is so keep up the good work Dave well thanks yeah no it's uh, it's kind of a weird wilderness right now so we're, we're trying to navigate that in a new way and um yeah <laughs> i don't know well you guys who do stuff have to keep doing stuff so us guys who talk about stuff have something to talk about well yeah you know and uh i think when the tax credit 
that got eliminated here, um, we had to find a different way to have an industry here. You know, and most people left, but but for those of us who were left behind, you know, like uh, kind of just turned it into our own little industry. But it's, it's nowhere where it used to be, but but it's, it's something. Yeah, no, it really is something. You guys are, uh, if I can borrow a Kevin Smith line here, you guys are doing God's work. <laughs> now, Dave. <laughs> Dave, for years, Richie and I talked about doing a uh, horror movie called The Amish. Uh, we even have a poster and a tagline, Fear the Beard. Can we pencil you in for composer? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd, uh, we have to have an Amish Paradise uh, yeah, cameo in there. The only thing is, is you're going to have to actually take a field trip out to an Amish colony to steady their <laughs> musical uh, backgrounds and whatnot. We so. want it as authentic as possible. There's going to be a kill with a butter churn. It's going to yeah. be great. And no, no electronic music. Not even brass instruments here. Everything has to be strings and wood. I don't know if you guys have seen the new PB Herman film, but uh, I could play the balloon for them. Oh, perfect! <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, Richie. We got our first crew member. I like it. It's actually being made. <laughs> we're, we're in the process right now as we speak. Now all we need is a script. And get that IMDb page up. <laughs> hey, man, we better not talk too much about this or else Kevin Smith's going to steal this idea from us. No, you guys should go to the uh, York and Film Festival next year and pitch this idea to all the executives there. We'll have a script can... ready. <laughs> <laughs> I keep bugging Corey that we got to get the screening room on access, submit a show to the Yorkton Festival for the uh, local... Local acts or the local. And as soon as we do a show good yeah. enough, we'll do that. <laughs> We're getting there. It's only taken us. How long have we been doing this for? Seven years? Eight years. Eight years, yeah. yeah. Eight years of practice to get to that one episode. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking forward to most for the rest of 2016? What movies are you dying to check out, Dave? Uh, well, definitely Rogue One. Um, yes. I, I mean, that, that doesn't count because that's, that's obvious for everybody. Aside from Rogue One. Yeah, low hanging fruit, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, I hear that. But I really don't get to see a lot. <laughs> um, second thing that comes to mind is I'm more excited about TV than I am with movies. So I don't know, like, I find that series are just out doing movies all the time. So I, I don't I don't see as many shows or as many films as I used to. I, I watch TV shows a lot more. Dave's excited for Riverdale premiering October 3rd, 2016. <laughs> Everybody is mad. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let, let's let's ask that question. I mean, and don't say Game of Thrones because again, low hanging fruit. What's your favorite uh, series that has come out this year or is coming out this year? Like, is in current series or new series or? Yeah, current stuff, new stuff, something something that's airing in twenty sixteen. And again, awesome. not Game of Thrones because that's everybody's answer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's so obvious that as it, it should be as right? it should be. Um, geez, what have I really enjoyed? Um, I've been getting into uh, Veep a lot more, which is, isn't really a, a serious show. It's kind of a fun political show. I love that. Um, trying to think. I, you know, I didn't mind Daredevil Season 2. Um, I found it kind of fell flat at the end, but there was a lot of it that was good. Yeah, I thought Daredevil uh, Season 2 was good. It just it didn't quite measure up to Season 1, unfortunately. It was the only thing that I could say bad about it. Yeah, and, and you know, it was going to be hard to do that because I think the, the narrative they established in Season 1 was just so interesting, you know, like... This whole mystical ninja stuff kind of got weird. <laughs> Agreed. 
Yeah, you know, I'm finding it hard to find time, like all, all, all the busy guys out here, right, to actually sit down and watch stuff. So it's very, you, you got to be really picky and choosy on what you're watching yeah. because you just really don't have time to get to all the good stuff. I mean, I've tried, and I'm not joking with this, the last eight times that I've sat down to watch TV, I've tried watching the last episode of The Flash, and I still can't get through it because I keep getting yeah. interrupted, and I, and I just I can't do it. It's a good one, too. I know. I'm 20 minutes in, and I can't finish the, I can't yeah, finish it. I haven't even watched The Flash yet because I'm waiting until I have time to actually do it justice, and it just seems like it's never going to happen. No. I know. Sometimes you just got to do it. No pun intended. It's justice. <laughs> you know, and it's weird because it's like you find these odd times. Well, I do anyways when I watch these movies, and it's really weird how it ends up working, and that's why I end up watching movies like Fear of Clowns. We're not um, talking about Fear of Clowns on another podcast. Yeah, Enough. We have an embargo about that. Dave, have Listen you seen episode three? Have you seen Kindergarten Cop Part Two? Be honest. No, I, I do want to see it though. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, you know, I was gonna I was gonna say something about this actually. Well, first of all, I do want to mention uh, Better Call Saul. That's actually yes. my favorite show. Other than thank Game you, of that's Very a good. Um, yeah, and, and plus, yeah, gotta give props for Brian Cranston saying he will definitely come and do a cameo on it. So oh, you should, yeah. Better Call Saul is one of the best show. shows on TV, absolutely. Yeah, really well written. Well done. Um, the other thing I want to say is actually uh, bad movies are kind of been my favorite this year, which which is saying a lot about the film industry to me. Like, I, I'm just getting so tired of of watching the same kind of template in the big budget movies that I, I started watching a lot of bad movies. <laughs> is there an accidental art to bad movies? Because I mean, guys like Michael Bay and Roland Emmerich, they're doing it on purpose, I think, to an extent. But is there, like, like, like seriously, when you're talking about bad movies, because we got a whole bunch of B-movies we know, you could talk to Bruce Campbell forever and ever about the movies that he's been in and seen, and we've seen lots of bad movies. But is it almost to the point where it is an accidental art that we can sit back and enjoy? There are a lot of them out there. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to Neil Breen here, which I'm sure you've seen me rant about on Facebook several times. Uh, I think he's like the auteur of, of amateur bad films. Um, what if he did a film about soccer, Dave? How would you feel? I'd love it. I, he's, he's amazing. <laughs> I can't get over him. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, bad movies will always have a special place in my heart, especially bad horror movies. Yeah, for sure. Um, You've got to see see, uh, Faithful Findings. Uh, I think Neil Breen is definitely an accidental filmmaker. I I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's catching on now, but but some of his accidental filmmaking has been amazing. (laughs) Kind of like George Lucas. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and speaking of that, I would argue that guys like uh, Michael Bay... Um, and maybe Roland Emmerich to some extent, what they're doing, I wouldn't even call art, that's straight-up science because they have figured out exactly yep. what they can do that makes money, and that's what they're doing. And they're not really putting a whole lot of soul into the work at all, yeah, in man. my opinion. It's, I've said it before, man. It's another Save the Cat movie. They know they're going to bring in the box. Um, Independence Day Part 2, it, it completely flopped. I mean, these guys are losing money hand over it's fist. It's not doing well, yeah. And, I, and they said they signed on for a Part 3. I really hope it doesn't get made. Uh, but, I mean, the, all these production studios, they're looking for a, a big movie franchise to latch on to and to take off because no one can compete with Disney. They're running away with it right now. They got three of the biggest ones. If you count Pixar, is kind of yeah. in that genre. Well, of but they got, got Star Wars and Marvel, and now you got Universal is going to merge all their old monster movies characters into a shared universe. And uh, oh, wow. 
yeah, 20th Century Fox has X-Men and Deadpool and, and I Fantastic I, Four. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently Tarzan's probably not going to do that well either. They're, they're banking on China to pull it through. Yeah, actually, I read the box office report, and BFG and Tarzan are supposed to flop this weekend. Finding Dory will probably be number one again. Yeah. Well, the interesting about China is that by 2020, China's market will be bigger than the United States market. Yeah. So you might see a lot of movies aimed more at them. I love Pacific Rim. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. I do, I, I do want to say something about that, actually, because uh, I was talking recently to a filmmaker friend, and uh, that is something that production companies are very much taking into account now. Uh, with the new Ninja Turtles, with uh, some of these kind of nonsensical action blockbusters, uh, they, they purposely direct uh, to China, even to the point where um, the screenwriting is designed in a way that it's kind of dumbed down and easy language to translate. Uh, they're very, they're very concerned about the Chinese market, so they, they, they try, try to appeal to that all the time, anytime they can. Just look at the last Transformers movie. Half of it was set in Hong Kong. Yeah, you yeah, could tell they were being very, very friendly to the Chinese government. Do we get to see a Bad News Bears team play China? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> that would be amazing. They, they could do an alternate ending for the American version and the Chinese version and determines who wins. <laughs> I, I'd go see it. <laughs> you watch you know, a lot of crap. They, they, made a, they can make a movie out of a phone app game. They can make a movie out of anything. That's right. <laughs> yes, I hope you saw my review on that. Um, Angry Birds. <laughs> Angry Birds. Yeah. Or be be sure to check it out because I'm sure it's coming out soon. Yes, yeah, so we're we're all looking forward to the Minecraft movie, right? <laughs> oh, that, that'll happen. That will happen. No, it is happening. Uh, Rob McEllery from Always Sunny in Philadelphia is uh, signed on to direct. Is there an opening <laughs> against one of the Star Wars movies? I think it's like due in December or something. I'd rather see Dr. Mario. Now, you're talking about sequels. Sorry, sorry to jump back, guys, but sequels 20 years later. Um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Blade Runner Part 2. Um, <laughs> when did Blade Runner come out, man? That was a long time ago. Blade Runner was in the 80s, yeah. Yeah. Is this part of uh, Harrison Ford's deal to be in Star Wars again? He's like, I get to make sequels to all my favorite movies, too. <laughs> I didn't even know what to think about this. I have a tough time getting through Blade Runner, and I'm a big sci-fi guy. I really do enjoy sci-fi, but I've never sat through the entire Blade Runner movie. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm a, Blade Runner's great. I haven't watched it in many years, but uh, one of the, one of Ridley Scott's best, easily. Yep. It, well, there's so many versions of it, too, though, so oh, yeah. it's hard yeah. to say which one you watched. Well, it's pretty cerebral, too, because you have to watch that movie all the way through, or you're not going to get it. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get what's so good about it until you see it in one sitting. I could definitely see that, yeah. We were talking earlier before the show as well, um, the Toronto Library, they, they had their banned books list come out, and uh, someone apparently wanted the movie The Black Hole removed from the library. And I don't know if you guys ever remember this or saw this, but it was uh, from the late 70s. It was Disney's answer to Star Wars. And, I, man, that's another movie that I just have not seen. I guarantee you I'm the only one here old enough to remember The Black Hole because I was a kid when it came out. Back in 1979. Do you remember the black hole? <laughs> yeah, you always forget I'm almost as old as you. And I remember it, not so much because I saw it when it came out, but I bought this uh, set of Star Wars uh, books on tape. But there weren't enough Star Wars books on tape to fill it up, so they backfilled it with the black hole and the dark crystal and stuff like that. So I've seen that movie, and I loved it. Those little floating robots, those are amazing. The robots are cool. Uh, I didn't even realize Anthony Perkins was in that, and Robert Forrester was in it as well. Really? Yeah. I only remember the robots. Maximilian, the big red one with the slit for an eye. Yeah. Nominated for two Oscars. Unbelievable. So why do they want it banned, though? I, 
Well, apparently there's some images and some scenes that might be very disturbing for young children. As they said, it's a very dark movie for children. And I mean, seriously, if you're going to be banning movies that are really dark for children, then you might as well boot the never-ending story right out the door. I mean, that has probably got to be one of the darkest, most depressing, twisted movies that a kid can actually watch. Yeah, boot the never-ending story part two out the door, too. I think we can all agree on Labyrinth. That was pretty dark for kids. That was dark. (laughs) Yeah, man. Creepy. But props to David Bowie. made a great Goblin King. Hey, if they do remake that, I'm not saying they should, but if they do, I want to see Lady Gaga in the Bowie part. Ooh, <laughs> That'd be awesome. Would, she would nail it. She would nail it. I, I want to, you know, one thing, uh, going back to that, uh, not to derail too much here, but uh, you're talking about the sequels made in the future that are, that are good. Um, Mad Max, you know? Yes. Good example. Very good example. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a special exception. Mad Max could have won Best Picture if they'd promoted it. It was certainly the best directed picture. I, I, don't, I don't know what everyone thought of The Revenant, but it was good, but it wasn't Mad Max level good. Man, George Miller's just amazing. That guy blows my mind. And he's 70. My mom is 70, and she hasn't done anything nearly as impressive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you guys are just tuning in, uh, we're comparing Corey's mom to George Miller. And it's not even close. (laughs) Yes, if you're just tuning in now to this podcast. (laughs) First of all, you missed a lot of talk about Riverdale that was really disturbing. Come on, man. I'm just telling you. Archie's going to hit it out of the park. And I can't wait to see who they cast as Betty and Veronica. Oh, Jesus. We're talking about Archie still. (laughs) So Archie really has become this week's episode's equivalent of uh, Fear of Clowns. Fear of Clowns. Come on now. (laughs) Who's, Who's Archie? Who's Archie? Who's playing Archie? Um, I, I don't. I didn't see. Uh, the, the, Grace? No, the movies. The movie is in pre-production. Uh, the TV series, a bunch of fresh faces. These guys have very little to their name for credits, and I, I think it's kind of a great idea. You know, bring kids up from scratch and try to brand. You know, these characters as as you know. That's who Archie is. I hear the Doof Warrior from Mad Max Fury Road is playing Reggie, <laughs> so that'll be great. He was my favorite. Character. I want Christian Slater as Archie. <laughs> a little bit too old. I don't think it quite works. <laughs> we have to have Mr. Weatherby in there. He'll be bossing around. Well, you know what? I think that's all the time we have today. Uh, I want to thank Dave Roman. Thank you so much for calling in, buddy. Good to hear you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I always love talking about films. Yeah, uh, Corey, Ryan, uh, it's great having you guys here. Uh, get it, get out there, watch some more movies. If anyone has seen Fear of Clowns, Kindergarten Cop Part Two, or if they're going to come to the Archie premiere with me, give <laughs> us a ring, let us know. Uh, check us out on our Facebook. Check us out on Access Seven as well, the Screening Room, and um, yeah, TSR Pod. Tell your friends, get more people listening because we're going to keep doing this and keep telling you how it actually is for the movies. My name's Richie Roy, and we'll see you guys next time for the TSR Podcast. Mm-hmm.